Yeah, so I'm excited to continue in our new series together. Um, we're talking about spiritual health, and we're going to be in this series for a little while together. Um, and what we're doing is we're going through the book of Ephesians and learning straight from Ephesians what spiritual health looks like and what we can do on our part to grow into spiritual health. It's this kind of back and forth with, with God. God loves us, and, but he's created us as free creatures. So we get the, I guess, the responsibility, the privilege of choosing how we spend our time. And so we're kind of talking about, practically speaking, what we can do to partner with God in our, in our spiritual health as individuals and also as a church body, because you can talk about spiritual health as a healthy church, or you can talk about it as a spiritual healthy me. And we're looking at it from both those lenses. So today, we're, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2, and uh, we're starting at verse 15. A lot of it you've, you've heard this morning already. Carol read it for us. There's some beautiful words there to us. But to get us started thinking about the theme today, I wanted to ask you a, a question. It's a fun question. What is your favorite holiday and why? What's your favorite holiday and why? So feel free to, to shout it out. Yep, Loretta? Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's Christmas. Oh, that's good. That's good. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. So we'll do some can. I love the candle idea. That's great. Oh, no. Oh, the camera. Okay. Sorry. This is this is a good reminder. My wife tells me that too. I'm not I'm not listening. Food and meals. Well, we're, today we're starting with donuts. So we're do, stay, we're starting with donuts. Meals, we're not sure yet. Yeah, soon though. Soon though. Okay, we'll, we'll make sure to have something else next time. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Anybody else? Favorite, favorite, we got to give, we, we got to give other people a chance to, to say as well. Yeah. Easter, so Easter is something, why is Easter your favorite? That's a good answer, that's good. Mine is going to be much less spiritual, unfortunately. <laughs> Anybody else? F favorite holiday and Why? Nice. What? How come? Food. <laughs> Good. One more. Anybody? Favorite holiday? Easter. Easter too. Nice. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So, and by the way, I want to say hi to the online community today. We're kind of, we went straight into the message 
today, but we're glad that you've joined us. They're, they're tuning in via the camera, and they're going to be checking us out later today. So I uh, wanted to say hello and love to hear from you. If you want to email me your favorite holiday, love to hear it. And uh, we'll be talking a bit about this in our small groups. But the reason why I'm bringing it up, well, first I want to say mine, actually. Mine is Christmas. And uh, I wish I could say, I mean, I love all the aspects of it, and I appreciate all the aspects of it, but if I'm being honest today, just speaking from the heart, it's because of the gifts. <laughs> I love the gifts. I think it was the, I mean, being an only child, you kind of like get, you know, the full attention, and my mom made it really fun, the gift part. Like, I had multi, multiple stages. I had, like, the, the stocking part, which I absolutely loved, and then it moved into the main gifts, and she always had the last big one that was like in a different location. So I thought I was done the gifts, you know, and then she's like, oh, wait a minute, I think you should go check out the garage or I think you should go check out this room. And then it was the big gift. <laughs> and I'll admit, even today, I love Christmas for the gifts. <laughs> I, love, I get excited still. I figured I'm 40. I thought maybe I'd grow out of it, but I haven't, I haven't grown out of it. <laughs> so that's my favorite. And uh, the reason why, it, it, there is a segue here. There's a, there's a spiritual segue that I'm going to make here. Um, because w- today we're talking about gifts <laughs> from God. And from Ephesians here, it turns out there's some incredible gifts that Paul tells us about. And, uh, but we're going to learn today that the thing is, what Paul's praying for, is that we unpack those gifts. Is that we really grow into those gifts. So we're talking about the idea that spiritual health is not only being aware of the gifts from God, but it's also unpacking them. Okay, so let's start reading through together. And uh, we're going to start at verse 15, and uh, I'm going to go to verse 18 right now. So here's what it says. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So we're pausing there for a moment, and there's already two gifts that are mentioned here. Basically, each time that he's saying, I pray for, he's talking about a gift. So the first one, I pray that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that you might get to know God better, that you'd really get to know God better because it's available to you. And the second gift, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. So that we'd really, in our hearts, deep down, start to understand our calling, what it means to be a follower of Christ, what that means for our future and for our present, and that we would learn just the hope that comes from that, the confident hope. Another translation, this, you know, hearts flooded with light, it also kind of talks about the eyes of our heart being enlightened, our hearts being enlightened, us coming to really grasp fully um, these, these realities. Um, let's, uh, let's go on. In 19, it, it says, we'll move on to the, the next, uh, next verse there, if it's there. There we go, perfect. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So there's gift number three that's mentioned. God's power. God's incredible power for us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. So a word that, that's been used, resurrection power, that's available to us. That's gift number three. And Paul is talking about these for us so that we can really appreciate all that's ours in Christ. And he's saying, I pray that, just to review them, I pray that you know God, I pray that you know your calling and the hope that comes from it, and I pray that you know the power that's available to you for power for transformation, power to love one another. So let me give an illustration to help move us into the next idea here. So speaking of Christmas gifts, um, my top of the list for me was when I got an electric guitar for Christmas. I had, basically I proved myself that I was going to be committed. I started out for about a year on my mom's old acoustic guitar, and I'm very thankful for that, but I'm also thankful that I moved beyond it because it was a very tough instrument to play. It was one of those ones where the, the strings were like that far off the fretboard, so you're just struggling. The further you move up, the harder it was. Remember my fingers hurting, didn't really sound good. I mean, I got into guitar because I was into rock and I was into heavy metal and all that stuff. It just wasn't sounding like anybody I was listening to. So I was very excited <laughs> to move into an electric guitar. And when I got it, I still remember it. It was just changed my life. <laughs> it was all of a sudden when I'm playing, it's easier. It sounded like my favorite bands. All of a sudden I was able to start playing with friends. A friend of mine played drums. I was able to start jamming with him, start playing at church and the school band, all that stuff. Changed everything for me. But here's the thing about gifts like that. So flash forward and I pursued guitar and became a guitar teacher. And so I've had the privilege of teaching guitar for a number of years, so a lot of different students. And here's something that I've kind of observed about majority of guitar students. They really want it. They really want to be a good guitarist. They might even kind of believe that they're getting there. <laughs> and they dress the part, you know, like I, I taught a lot of teenagers. So you could tell they're just, they're dressing the part. They're a rocker or they're into this and so they're dressing it. But here's the thing, they weren't really unpacking that gift <laughs> that they were given. They weren't really through the week putting in the extra effort or that, you know, that work to practice. So week after week, they would come to my lessons and we'd still kind of be in the same spot. And uh, I noticed this a lot about adult students as well. They just seemed to kind of hit brick walls and they just didn't have the time or it was just too frustrating to just, you know, sit there day after day and practice. Because that's what I would say. It's all about the daily thing with guitar. Don't just practice a couple hours a week on a, on a Friday just before your lesson. Practice each day, you know, a half hour a day or whatever. So that was what I noticed. A lot of guitarists who were excited about the gift of having a guitar but just weren't really unpacking it, weren't really growing into it. And I've noticed that in my own faith journey at times, and I've, I've, you can maybe see the parallel here. A lot of us as Christians, we're aware of the gifts. We're even excited about the gifts that we have, but we're not really unpacking them yet. Or maybe we have and we kind of got frustrated and, and it kind of gave up on it. So we're not, we're not doing our part, I guess you could say, to really appreciate and to grow in these gifts and make those gifts mine 
personally so that it really starts to change me. But Paul prays that we really would. In these verses, I pray that you might understand. I pray that your heart might be enlightened so you can understand, so that you can grow into these things. You might experience the real power that it might really change you. So how do we do that? That's the big question. That's the big question. How do we unpack these gifts that Paul has been talking about? Well, it turns out it's a lot to do with our behavior, with our actions, with our activities, and that's in a big sense. And this is building on what we talked about last week. Um, But let's keep reading what Paul says, because he starts to answer the question. And I find that Ephesians, a lot of Ephesians is answering that question, how we unpack these gifts. So we're going into Ephesians 2, and we're going to be reading from verse 1, um, 1 to 3 to start off. And uh, yeah, I'll just read it first, and then I'll talk about it. So it says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So Paul here introduces a theme. You see it a lot in his letters. He starts talking about that, in general, there's kind of these two paths that people are on. And he uses the most stark contrast possible, most extreme contrast possible, death and life. And that word there for live, it says, right, you used to live in sin. That word for live, it literally means walk. You used to walk in sin. You used to kind of, in general, you're walking around in that. You were on that path. And he characterizes that path by a few things here. I'm just going to touch on them, but I would love it if you, if you want to talk more about it or you're, you'd be able to explore these things in your small group, because there's a lot here. But he says, you know, this walk is characterized by disobedience, sin. It's characterized by living according to the world, according to the world's values. It's, it's, it's characterized by living by the flesh, and it's characterized by living according to the ruler, to, to, to the devil, is kind of the way that we could, we could summarize that. And these come together, I'd say, to kind of talk about all the different aspects of, of human life that really are, if you, if you think about them, they're kind of outside of Christ. They're, they're kind of contrary to God's will. They are um, they're, they're things in human life at different levels that are really working for injustice in the world. They're working, for, they're working towards pain and, and harming people, and, and they are just generally oriented towards evil. And so these, these are different levels of that. You know, at the individual level, I've got, you've got the flesh when I'm just living contrary to God. At the human collective level, level, the world, when we just, as humans, we get together and we just don't do, we do harmful things. And then at the overarching spiritual level as well, the, at the, the level of, of, of Satan, who is this domineering force over humankind. All of that comes together 
to make this, this kind of realm, I guess you could say. The, I'm borrowing from the Bible Project here. I, I, if you're interested in this sort of thing, they have a great video on heaven and earth, talking about these two, the way the Bible talks about this path of, of life versus this path of death and all the things that are part of the path of life versus death. And it uses different words for each, like heaven, kingdom of God, eternal life. That's all that one realm. That's all God's kingdom, God's space. But then there's the world, the present age, the age of sin and death, which is all the stuff Paul's talking about here. And we can flip the slide. You can see that what characterizes each, what's kind of the result of living out of each. When you're living out of God's kingdom, it's experiencing his presence. It's justice that's happening. It's goodness. It's beauty. But when you're living according to the flesh, when you're living according to what Paul calls the world, you're seeing sin, you're seeing injustice, it's ugliness, it's discord, that sort of thing. So path of life would be the, the green one. Path of death is the red one. And uh, that's, I'll just kind of leave it there. But when Paul says that all of us were subject to God's anger, that's really why the red one is the path of death. Because to walk that path is to walk in alienation from God, in separation from God. And God is the source of life. So if you stay outside of the source of life, if you stay disconnected from the source of life, that can only mean death. That's the trajectory. That's the, that's the end result. And when it says that we were subject to God's anger or some say God's wrath, that's an important word. It's really, it's kind of different from our anger, even though there's a bit of a similarity. God's wrath, the best way I've found to think of it, is his absolute no to evil, to, to, to sin, to injustice. It's God's rejection of those things that he can't, he can't uh, kind of abide by those things. But it's also his working, his desire to redeem, to change that, to make things right. That's God's wrath and God's anger. Um, so you bring that all together, right? And you've got this path of death that Paul talks about, and it's an active walk. So we get this picture of spiritual unhealthiness here. Being unhealthy spiritually is made up of these sorts of actions, this sort of path, this sort of daily living. But then Paul goes on, and he starts talking about the, the path of life, the walk of life at verse 4. And uh, I'm just going to read to, uh, I'm going to kind of skip a little bit and go to eight, but I totally recommend you reading this through more than once on your own time this week. So it says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And he goes on, he talks about the importance of recognizing this as a gift. And it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So this is another gift that Paul's talking about here. Probably kind of the gift of all gifts, so to speak. The gift that summarizes them all. New life. That we've been raised from the dead with Christ. And we have new life available to us. When we first believed, when we believed, there's this connection that happens 
when we believe, when we say, yes, I trust you, Jesus. I trust that you are the way to salvation, the way to new life. And so this, we get this picture here of our hearts and all of us kind of being connected now to the heavenly realms. We're connected to that blue <laughs> circle that we had before. We're now awakened. Our hearts are enlightened. The, flood, the light of that, the goodness of it is starting to flood in. Maybe we're not fully aware of it yet, but it's happening. It happens in an instant. And we are now awakened to that new reality. And that's the big gift. And we're freed from those old connections now. We're freed from that path of death. It's like being raised to life. So healthy spirituality then, we get some more pictures of it, we, or some more aspects, but it's really then being awakened to God's realm, to God's goodness, being connected to God's, God's goodness. And that's happening because of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. And that means freedom from all that, those forces of evil that have really been in, that holding us captive. So we're, we're almost done today because um, we're getting to the end of what I wanted to read. But the last question is then, how do we unpack this gift too? How do we unpack the new life along with all those others? And the message translation puts it well. I think the message translation translates verse 8 um, or just beyond there, sorry, verse 10 really well. It says, God creates each of us, so God's given us this new life, to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. I like how Eugene Peterson puts it, work we had better be doing, <laughs> you know. So we get to opt into this, right? It's, it's our choice now. We've got the new life. We've got the gifts. The way that we grow into that new life has something to do with works or have better translation maybe with, with our activities, with our, our daily unpacking of the gifts, our daily doing what God wants us to do, work we'd better be doing. Um, better be for our own sakes as well, because then we really start to, the more we do these things, we start to experience God's power more and more in us. And we won't get into detail today about that, but because through the coming weeks, that's what we're going to keep exploring, is what are these works? What are these activities that we need to engage in. Um, but just to, just to answer the question of why, because we might be wondering, okay, why would it be that way? You know, why does it have to do with like daily works, daily activities and weekly activities over time? Why couldn't God just kind of give it to us? One of my favorite movies, and maybe this is dating me, maybe people haven't seen this, but one of my favorite movies is The Matrix. And one of my favorite scenes, he gets plugged into the, to, he's going into the matrix, and it's like, he needs to learn kung fu. So he just gets a download. Instantly, he knows kung fu. Or he, they need to learn how to fly a helicopter at one point. So like, they're talking to the person, I need to know, I need instructions for this type of helicopter. Boom, all of a sudden, she's an expert helicopter pilot. Like, it'd be nice if that's what it was like. I need total freedom here, and no more anger that keeps coming out, please, God perfect, now I'm good to go, you know. You wish it was like that, but if you're like me, you realize, no, it's not like that. It's a gradual process. We're on a marathon, not a sprint, <laughs> so to speak. So that's part of the why. That's part of the why. And it makes sense, right? Because salvation, new life, these gifts, they're ours in an instant. We're reconciled with God in an instant. 
But the thing is, we got to process that, right? And we process that through all of us, through our minds, through our emotions. And we carry it out. We do the work with our bodies. So all of that stuff has to catch up <laughs> to the party. All of that stuff has to come to realize what's already true. And that happens over time. Because we come with baggage, right? We come with baggage. We come with habits. We come with patterns in the way that we think. And God's got to, over time, help us to change those things, to overcome the baggage so that we can open ourselves up to God, to God, who God really is, to help us overcome those patterns of thinking, maybe negative patterns about myself that I, I just can't change or I'm just not good enough or whatever the pattern might be. He's got to take time with us, patiently helping us change. And in how we behave, and that sort of thing. You put us in a scenario, you put us under pressure, we're going to kind of go back to our habits. So God's working with us to change those as well. And it turns out the guitarist analogy is a good one, I think, because that's the same way you become a good guitar player. It's over time. You're training your fingers. You're training your brain to be able to react kind of in the moment so that you respond well in situations where you're playing music and you're you're all playing the same song together. And it's kind of like that a little bit in our daily walk where we're unpacking these gifts. So that's, um, I'm going to leave off there today um, that with that thought. But just to summarize, actually the, the worship team can come up as I, as I summarize. Um, but the, the beautiful thing is here that we've learned is there's gifts available to us. There's gifts that we have in Jesus Gifts like getting to know God truly for who he is. Gifts like um, power that's available to us and a calling beyond our wildest dreams, so to speak. But spiritual health really means daily unpacking these things. And we're going to explore that in more specifics soon in the weeks to come. But I love how in verse 10, there's this phrase there. It says, Paul says that we're God's masterpiece. Each of us are God's masterpiece, and us as a church, we're God's masterpiece. God's faithful with us, patiently sculpting us or painting the picture, whatever you like. He's patiently working with us, and that, maybe that's part of it. God wants us to join in on that as well, that we together are making this masterpiece out of our lives. Okay, let's, let's just pray together just to give this to God, and then we're going to sing one more song. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for this reminder that, that you love us so much, that you want us to get to know you, that you want us to know about this, this amazing calling that's ours and this amazing future that's ours. We know how the story goes, as the song says, that we've been singing. And also, you want us to know about the power that's there to us if we'd only start to live out of that power instead of maybe, maybe our own power, which draws up, which, you know, empties out so quickly to start living moment by moment, day by day, out of those truths, out of those realities. And that way we can unpack the amazing gifts that are ours because of you, Lord Jesus. So help us in that. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray.